This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast. It's Friday, September 29th. Uh, this is podcast number 116. Brought to you by the great people at Bet Rivers a little later in the show. We'll give our Bet Rivers picks of the week here. Uh, also, we'll talk to Inquirer columnist Mike Sielski uh, as, it re- as it pertains to the tush push. All right. This thing is really bugging me and it's bugging Sielski too. So we'll we'll get into the tush push and all those good things. Uh, we'll talk about the, the Ryder Cup, what's going on right now. Um, and uh, uh, we'll talk about the Phillies and their uh, situation on surviving to get to the world series so let's start what we call the current with the phillies so they clinched the playoff spot the other day had a wild party after it. a lot of people panned the party saying it was over the top for just securing a playoff berth hey, you know what these guys they celebrate when they want to celebrate uh i thought the garrett stubbs thing was kind of weird uh but uh whatever let the boys have some fun let them celebrate they have uh Many more mountains to climb here to get to the World Series. So uh, hopefully uh, they don't go overboard with the celebration, get carried away with themselves because they still have a lot of baseball to play and to win. Uh, so let's look now at the ramifications. It's all but certain to play the Arizona Diamondbacks in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, and this brings into play the pitching matchups. The, the Phillies are much better than Diamondbacks. Way better lineup, way better depth. But the only way the Diamondbacks can survive in this series is to pitch well in the first two games. And they have two guys that are pretty good at the top of their rotation. Now, Zach Gallon, the kid from Bishop Eustis, however, has to pitch tonight because the Diamondbacks have to clinch their spot first. And if they lose tonight, they may have to go with Merle Kelly on Saturday. So the whole thing is still up in the air for the Diamondbacks. Best case scenario Gallon wins tonight, and they could start the series against the Phillies with Merrill Kelly and maybe then come back with Gallon, but it'll be on short rest in game two. So the Phillies have a decided advantage here, uh, and uh, they're good right now. They're, 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 they're really playing good baseball. They, they really have a lot of confidence. And top to bottom, I think they're better going into these playoffs than they were last year. So, so let's look at it. They're, they're rested with their top of the rotation. Wheeler will pitch game one. Nola will pitch game two. They're all lined up. They're giving Nola extra rest for game two. That's very important because with extra rest, Aaron Nola's ERA is one run less than with regular rest. So, so there you go. That's an advantage. Besides that, Nolan's, Nola's coming into this on kind of a heater. He's allowed only three earned runs in his last 12 innings with 10 strikeouts and zero walks. Now, we talked about the bullpen a few weeks ago, saying that back end got a little weaker. It's good. You know, we're struggling going, but they've since gotten it together. Now they have some reliable guys on the back end, and I'm not counting on an everyday closer in Craig Kimbrell, but the way the Phillies are going to play it is by ear. 
and they're, they're going to piecemeal the whole thing. When Rob Thompson can do that. He's done that very well. He's going to rely on matchups to close out games. So let's look at, at who has been pitching well. First of all, Alvarado is on fire right now. Um, he has uh, faced 13 batters uh, in, in the past uh, four uh, games, and uh, one has reached base. So uh, he's fine. He's got, the, he's got the cutter going pretty well. Uh, so Alvarado is now coming into the playoffs uh, with a pretty good streak. Uh, Hoffman has been fairly consistent. The hitters hitting 124, right-handed hitters, 124 against them. So, again, we talk about the matchups and who he may use in late innings. You know, if, if heavy right-handed lineup is coming out, Hoffman gets, gets a chance to get those guys out. Left-handers, Alvarado. Soto's been reliable against lefties. He's held lefties to a 209 on base percentage. That's in the top three in Major League Baseball. And, and Strom against lefties, 205. So they got enough specialty guys to match up in, in late innings, which makes you feel comfortable about that. Also, Orion Kirkery, will he make the roster? Probably. They'll probably have him on this team. And Christopher Sanchez, who was their fourth starter, now comes out of the pen against his changeup, which has been lethal. Batters hitting in September, 0-98 with 23 Ks. And he better throw that because his sinker gets tattooed. It's not been that effective. When he throws a sinker, hitters are hitting 406. Can you throw a changeup every single time? You probably can't, but you could probably throw it two out of three times, which gives them an advantage. All right, the last part of this whole thing, the lineup is pretty set. Um, the best lineup they have is Harper playing first with an outfield defensive-oriented uh, with Rojas in center and Marsh in left uh, with Schwarber as the DH. But all of a sudden... As a DH contender, here comes Reese Hoskins, who apparently in BP is smashing balls. So I don't know if they're going to activate him in any part of these playoffs, but if they activate him, he can only be the DH. What happens then? Well, you'd have to play Schwarber in left field, and I, I guess they would go with Marsh. I, I, they, they would play Marsh over Rojas. I don't know if they platoon that. Maybe they would platoon it. Uh, but I don't know if that helps the Phillies with Hoskins now being forced back in the lineup. So keep your eye on that uh, with the DH position, because if Hoskins has to play, that means Schwarber has to play left field. And Hoskins may just be used as a pinch hitter. But, you know, this is a team that's pretty stacked from top to bottom. It doesn't really need a lot of pinch hitters. So I don't know if he'll be active or not. All right. That is your Phillies primer. And we'll talk more about the Phillies a little later. But uh, let's get into Sunday's matchup where the Eagles and the Commanders with a 1 o'clock Sunday game, a conventional NFL game for the Eagles, which I like. Uh, all right, let's get into it. The Eagles have been tearing people up running the football. And last week, of course, 201 yards on the ground with 40 carries. It was actually 40 rushes to 37 passes last week. And DeAndre Swift is on fire. Now, they're going against a strong Washington front, and we'll talk about them in a second. Um, Washington gave up rush yards last week against the Buffalo Bills of all teams. They don't even run the ball, but they ran the ball against Washington last week. James Cook went nuts on them, uh, and, but they did hold Josh Allen to two hundred to seventy nine point nine rating, uh, and um, they but they still got housed. So I I, I don't know how, what the Reds uh, excuse me the Commanders are at this point, but here's their their defensive lines: Jerome Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, and Chase Young. Pretty good. They got zero sacks on Josh Allen last week. They got one quarterback hit, one quarterback hit 
one quarterback hit. That's like how, how it's impossible to get only one quarterback hit if, if you're playing hard. So I, I don't know what to make of that front four. They're, they're they're on paper pretty formidable, but in reality, maybe not. Um, so they have a decent secondary and they have a really good safety in Cameron Kroll. Uh, but they have a quarterback who's not going to be able to put up points against the Eagles defense, all right? Let's face it. Sam, Sam Howe stinks. And, and now as he stink, they can't protect him. Nine, he got sacked nine times. <laughs> Come on, man. Nine, nine sacks and 15 quarterback hits they got on Sam Howe, a guy who can't make plays anyway. So um, here's the way they beat the Eagles last year. They ran the football. They, they milked the running game. They ran the football. They controlled the clock. Uh, surprisingly, uh, and they beat the Eagles by running the football. They're probably going to do the same thing this time, and uh, Brian Robinson is going to have to carry the load. But I, I see the Eagles romp in this game. So, again, we're talking about a team. It's on its way to 6-0. and I don't see where there's any way that they could stumble. They're too consistent of a team up front, both sides, offensively and defensively, to slip against a bad team, and they're not going to slip this week. So... You got two teams now uh, headed for greater things with the Phillies being imminent and then the Eagles uh, 6-0 and until they get to Miami. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, our next guest on the Mike Missanelli Podcast, a longtime columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And um, there's an issue going on here. People are obsessed with this issue of what the Philadelphia Eagles do on a quarterback sneak situation, which is an unstoppable play. It is called the tush push, or as people here are trying to call it, the brotherly shove. And Mike Sealski joins us because he had an interesting column on, on the tush push. Uh, Mike, how you doing, first of all? Doing well, Michael. Thanks for having me on. All right, so please summarize for the people that didn't see your column. Please summarize what your point was with your tush push column. Yeah, look, I took kind of a wink-wink approach to the question of whether uh, the tush-push, as some people in and around the NFL, uh, should be banned. Uh, You've been seeing people write about this and comment on this, and there's been pushback within the league against the Eagles about the tush-push. So I tried to write a humorous column basically saying, you know, I went into this thinking I would defend the Eagles and their use of the tush-push. But the more I think about it, the more I think it ought to be banned. And the rest of the column were these kind of sarcastic, funny reasons why I think the tush push should be banned. And I hope that most people understood that I was trying to be funny and no, sarcastic. No, most people don't. Uh, I have figured that out over <laughs> a long career. So, so basically, what, what, what was the sarcasm and what was the truth of your feelings on the tush push? Okay, so for instance, I talked to Dallas Goddard, the Eagles tight end, on Wednesday in the locker room. And one of the things he said to me and a couple other people was that whenever the Eagles line up to run a quarterback sneak, he can see the despair in the opposing team's defensive linemen and linebackers knowing that the Eagles are going to run this play and there really isn't anything the defense can do to stop it. And so my sarcastic feeling was, Hey, look, you know, football's supposed to be fun. I don't want anybody feeling sad that they can't stop the tush push. Uh, I like my football players and teams to be happy. Happiness is better for everybody, so let's ban the tush push. What I really feel is like, look, the Eagles are doing something that is perfectly legal. 
It's been legal since 2005 when the, when the NFL changed the rule book to allow this thing to happen. So stop complaining about it. If you cover the league, stop bemoaning that the Eagles run this play. Do something to stop it or just accept that they can do it better than everybody else and let's move on. Okay. So so um, you're, you're okay with the tush push, basically. You think that the, the, the overreaction to it is ridiculous. Uh, to me, Mike, this is familiar and 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 harkens back to the same kind of complaints that people in basketball had in the 1940s and 50s when players started to dunk the basketball. You hear this all the time. Oh, the tush push isn't a football play. Oh, the dunk isn't a basketball play. Anytime there's an innovation or a new wrinkle that comes into a sport, you hear the old guard complaining that it's not really what the sport is. Okay. So I assume Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain weren't playing basketball then in the same way that the Eagles aren't playing football now. It's ridiculous. Okay, I have the, the opposite view of it because I think that it's ridiculous that they allow this. Okay. <laughs> I, I really do. <laughs> and, and, so, and here's the reason, because it's really unfair. Unless the D, and I said this last week, and I, people had like a problem with Twitter, like they can't figure out what I'm trying to say. When you're stacking 700 pounds behind the guys carrying the ball, you're going to win every single time, right? You can't deal with that kind of leverage. So in order for the defense to stop it, they have to stack it similarly. So so people say to me, well, then um, Jalen Hurts can just run around the end. Really? How can he get out of that morass of 700 pounds so quickly to get around the edge if you stack your defenders the same way that they're stacking around the football? Does that make any sense? Either It's either that or, or you just say, no, you can't do that anymore. It's an unfair advantage for the offense to stack more weight behind the guy with the football because the defense can't counter that. Well, I would say two things column, to that, Mike. Number one. I think that should be your next <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say this. Number one, other teams have tried to do the tush push and failed. We saw it with the Indianapolis Colts. We saw it with the Green Bay Packers. They don't do it as well as the Eagles do it. I think the Eagles are very well equipped to make the play work because they have the best offensive line in the NFL, and they have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who as everybody knows, and he likes to tell everyone, can squat 600 pounds, and so he's better able to do it. Number two, they've tried to run different plays out of it. We saw it last Monday night, for instance, they lined up to sneak and then tried to fake the sneak. Now, the play didn't work because Hertz tripped over, I forget if it was his own two feet or his one of his linemen, but they can run something out of it. And if teams start to stack up against it, then you are see the Eagle, are going to see the Eagles uh, fake more sneaks and run something different out of it. It's, it's adjustment and readjustment. I don't see the issue with it that you do. Uh, well, defenses can't go low on an offensive lineman. Right. So uh, you're trying to get as low as possible to stop it. But the defense has a disadvantage. This is my problem. If if Hertz has squatted a million pounds and gives the Eagles an advantage with a straight up sneak, that's the advantage. Just like in basketball to prevent a dunk. You get somebody as tall to, to try a block a dunk. I mean, th you should be able to counter naturally with what. Uh, teams do to get an advantage Hertz already has the built-in advantage and he's strong as a quarterback to me adding 700 pounds is unfair to the defense because it's unstoppable and I don't know why 
other teams can't do it like the Eagles. But the, but to me, if you have 700 pounds behind the quarterback pushing, you're going to win every single time, unless you have the irresistible force and movable object, which is you have your defense stack with 700 pounds behind the, the, the nose tackle. Yeah, I mean, I see where you're coming from. I just, I would say it's not... The offense doesn't win every time. We've seen that with the other teams that oh, well, try it. that's their problem. Um, because it's almost, imp- it's well, almost but, impossible but that's, not to succeed with 700 pounds pile driving your ass through a line. <laughs> but but that but that's my point, Mike, is, is any team can try it. It just seems that this one team does it better than anybody else. It's akin, as I said earlier, to banning the dunk because... One team has a couple of guys who are seven feet tall, and not every team does. It's like, well, you you could have a team with a couple guys of seven feet tall. Uh, you just don't. And so since it's not working all the time, it's not a fail-free yeah. play, I, I well, don't understand why people want to do away with it. That was a DNA it. problem with the dunking back in the day. Now everybody has. That too. Now, now yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I just think it's, it's – uh, I don't know. I I don't like. I ne- I've never liked it actually. It's since they started doing it a few years ago. Uh, I just don't think it, it's an, uh, it's not a uh, it's an unfair advantage to the defense. And I want everything to be fair. If you're going to go mano a mano, then it should be mano a mano and not mano mano a mano. <laughs> so that's that's all. Yeah, I mean, but but again, Mike, like, where does that end? Like, you could have a you could have Randy Moss as your wide receiver. And he's going to have an unfair physical advantage on any cornerback he goes up against. You know, you can you can you can play that philosophy out to virtually yeah, any sort of position on the because field. You're talking about the breed of athlete. Uh, in, in this particular situation, you're just talking about strength. I, I mean, I know they have an acumen on the way they do it, but uh, in, in any event, that, that's my spin on it. But I'm glad you wrote a sarcastic okay. column because because you're great <laughs> at that, and people don't get you. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, they're sarcastic and they don't get it. And I, I, I spent a career trying to do that where people like I would be overly sarcastic and people wouldn't get it. And that was the that was the charm of it for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, and you know what? I got enough people emailing me and posting on social media who did get it that I was kind of heartened by that. But my feeling is this. Look, there are so many media outlets nowadays that are willing to kind of kowtow to whatever, what's the term, like constituency that they want to maintain access and good relationships with, whether you're talking about the teams themselves or agents or the leagues, that I want to kind of push back against that. And so the idea of treating this topic with a little bit of sarcasm, with a little bit of eye rolling, I like that. I think we need more of that. And so, yeah. you know, a, th- th- that's the way I'm going to go. Philosophy, And I appreciate you adhering to that. And, and a little bit on this podcast, we're going to talk about them, how the Miami Heat media kowtow to that same principle. <laughs> that great example. Great so, example. So let me give you, uh, let me ask you your opinion. As Philly's going to the playoffs now, uh, because they're going in with a really, probably more optimism than they, they even did last year, even though they were hot going into the playoffs. They seem to be, a more complete team. They seem to be a very confident team. At one point, I didn't think they could match up with the Braves this year, but I'm thinking more and more that I think about it. I think they can. What do you think? So I look at this two ways, Mike. Number one, from a pure baseball standpoint, I think the Phillies are the team that no other National League team wants to play in the playoffs. They are tough. They are built to win a short series. 
They can mash you. All it will take will be a couple of really good starts from a guy like a Zach Wheeler or an Aaron Nola. And now that they have their bullpen, it seems it's kind of working itself out with some exceptions. They're going to be a tough team to beat in the playoffs. That's number one. The other way I look at it is they came into the playoffs last year in absolutely the perfect sort of set of circumstances for a Philadelphia sports team. They were the last team to get in. They were the last wild card team. They were good enough to make a run, but there was no pressure on them to make a run. If they had gotten bounced in the wild card round of the divisional series, I think most people in Philadelphia would have said, okay, they got that to the playoffs for the first time in 10 or 11 years. We're happy with that. Now they actually come in with some expectations. And so if they do lose, it's going to be interesting to see how the city and the market reacts because after you make the World Series the year before, people aren't going to be satisfied with just you know, getting in the playoffs. And if Arizona or whoever they happen to face in the wild card round wins game one, boy, there's going to be some tense feelings at Citizens Bank Park for game two. Yeah, um, and, and they'll get a good pitcher against them. And it's the only way the Arizona Diamondbacks can actually win. And it looks like Merrill Kelly, they're going to have to pitch Zach Gallon tonight. So Merrill, Merrill Kelly will probably be able to get right. the start in game one. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. All right, let me. The last thing I want to talk to you about uh, are, are the Flyers because you you're really the only columnist that deals with the Flyers. And uh, I, 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 you know, I worked at the Enquirer for many years, and I, I know the value of news judgment and where because there there have been teams that where game stories were put on page Z, you know. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it seems to me that the Enquirer is really working hard to cover the Flyers and make them relevant at a time when. There's such an afterthought in this city. What's the what's the newspaper philosophy on that? Well, the thinking nowadays, I think, is you know that certain sports franchises and teams have a core and loyal fan base, no matter how good or bad that team is. So you still want to serve that fan base, those diehards, because you are in a competition for eyeballs with the other outlets that cover any team. So while yet I would agree the Flyers aren't nearly as relevant as they once were, and they're certainly not as relevant compared to the Sixers or definitely not the Phillies and the Eagles nowadays, there's still a core group of fans that follow them and care about them. And so you want to serve that admittedly smaller audience. What's interesting to me, Mike, is that the fact that Danny Briere and Keith Jones have come in to kind of run the show now seems to have heartened the fan base. I I think the fact that the Flyers have commenced with the rebuild that some of us in the media who cover the team have been saying they should have started five to ten years ago has finally gotten fans saying, okay, now we're curious to see what happens. We're not curious to see whether they beat the Devils on a random Friday night, but we are curious to see, okay, are there young players who are going to emerge and be part of the team's future? What do we think about these prospects and these kids that they've drafted? And I do think we have to kind of adjust to that reality and cover the team from that sort of perspective. Okay. That's fair. I mean, listen, I'm in the uh, in the uh, boardroom and we're discussing what goes on page A. It's it's never going to be the Flyers at this point. <laughs> yeah, I get, and some of that too, Mike, is just deadlines yeah. nowadays, right? Like the papers, the, the physical papers deadline is so early now that it's a challenge to get a Phillies game that runs late into the actual paper. But when it comes to inquire.com, we've got to try to do everything. I got it. Mike, always a pleasure to talk to you. I know you're going to, this is busy time now. You got two teams that are going to vie for a title. 
uh, which is always exciting for a columnist. So uh, take care, and we appreciate it. See you. Best time of the year, man. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. It's the Mike Nussinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. So now it's time for our picks of the week, since we are at the end of a week, and you got some college football and pro football this weekend. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I want it went a sterling 9-0 and last week, a streak that I don't think anybody in America can boast. Uh, four picks on uh, the this podcast last week, and five where the Bet Rivers people asked me to do. They send me five random games, and everybody nationally who works for the Bet Rivers Network, well, not everybody, but a select uh, chosen six, uh, also make these picks against the spread. And last week, I, I clean swept it with a 5-0 and o to take first place in our national contest. I am now 10-5 and five on the season with the Bet Rivers Network. So uh, let's uh, see if I can stay hot this week. And I'll give you two college and two pro games this week. Um, I'm going to go. Uh, this team has been good to me, and I'm going to ride them until they fail. I'm going to take the Washington Huskies minus 18.5, which seems like a bargain. Against uh, Arizona, it, it, it's in Tucson. Washington on the road, minus 18 and a half. They've been lighting up the scoreboard. I'll take them again. And now let me go to the SEC, where this line caught my attention. There is an underrated, really good team in the, uh, the SEC, the Kentucky Wildcats. And we're not talking about the Kentucky Wildcats uh, of basketball lore. We're talking about the football team here, right? This is not John Calipari coaching this team. I'm going to take Kentucky minus a point. They are actually a slight fave against the big, bad Florida Gators. I'm going to take Kentucky in that game minus one. So my college picks are Kentucky minus one, Washington minus 18 and a half. Let me go to pros. I don't know if, if the odds makers are giving too much credit to the Falcons or too little credit to the Jaguars, who have not played to their capabilities. A lot of people thought the Jags are going to be a really good team this year. Uh, and they play the Falcons at home, and they're just a, a home team minus three favorite. Now, I hope I'm not getting conned by this, but I think the Jaguars have to wake up here. And I think that that's a good play at minus three. I don't trust the Falcons to continue to play well. I don't trust the quarterback to continue to play well. So I'm going to take the Jags at minus three. And now let me go to the NFC East. The Giants minus one appeals to me for some reason. I'm going to take the Giants minus one against the Seahawks. All right. So there you go. Jaguars minus three at home. Giants minus one at home against the Seahawks are my four picks for this week. Darren, who you got? Okay, got a couple pro games for you, Mike. I also like Jacksonville. I think they went pretty big over Atlanta. Um, Jacksonville just threw in a real clunker last week. I think they bounced back strong on Sunday. And by the way, last week you and I also agreed on a game. It was the 49ers, and that was just a runaway winner. So something to think about when you and I are on the same page on a game. Um, the other game I like, I think the Bengals – this is a get-right game for Cincinnati. Hopefully, Joe Burrow is uh, getting a little healthier with that leg. Tennessee's pass defense is terrible. Cincinnati, I believe they're at home. They're given just two and a half. If you're going to take them, get it now before that goes to three because it's probably going to go to three. Bengals minus two and a half. Uh, see, that is a, just a decided Titans line. 
Why does Cincinnati be less than a three because at home? Uh, that's a Titans one and line. Two. If, if the line is talking, that's a Titans line. But you're you're succumbing to man crush. They're one and two with a banged up quarterback. That's why it's a, t- it's a short line. And two and a half. I'm taking them. Titans line. Titans line. You can take the Titans up. if you want it when you're picked. No, no, no. I'm staying away, but I'm just telling you what that no, line is. There about. you go. And All I'm right. going to throw an extra uh, game in there. I normally only get two, but and this might be one of those hold your nose games and, and bet it, but I think New England keeps it close on Sunday night against Dallas. Give me the six and a half. Patriots, the first, uh, first dog I'm taking this year. New England plus the six and a half. I don't necessarily like that one. Uh, but in any event, uh, Bent Rivers has great prop bets and they also have parlays, same game parlays. Uh, this is a very interesting one that they've posted. And uh, I think it's a pretty good bet at plus 450. And, and the same game parlay is Notre Dame at Duke. Duke's good team. Duke scores a lot of points, right? So here's the parlay at plus 450, which I think is worth uh, $20 to throw on it. Um, over 52 and a half points in the game. I like it a lot. Duke plus three getting Notre Dame on a come down week after Ohio State. I think Duke can win it outright. Duke's plus three over ten and a half total points by Duke. I love that. And Duke plus three and a half um, on the spread. All right. So there you go. That's the parlay, the four uh, planks of the parlay at plus 450, favoring Duke, and I like it a lot. So check out your Bet Rivers app. Check out the prop bets. Check out the same game parlays because there's a lot of interesting uh, little parlays and straight-up games that you can bet. The Bet Rivers app is essential. You can have a lot of fun with it. And, and listen, you, you start, you make a stash, and you just roll with that for the whole season. It's beautiful. It's the Mike Yusinelli Podcast. On the Bet Rivers Network. All right, let's close it down for the Mike Missinelli podcast for today, uh, Friday. Uh, and, and let me just say uh, that uh, you should get the Bet Rivers app. I've already told you about that, and I'll reiterate it. To email me, it's Mike at MikeMiss.com. I'd love to hear your emails. I'd love to hear your feedback on, on the show, frankly. What things are you liking? What things aren't you liking? And uh, we'll adjust to, to your needs. Uh, also, I want to say uh, one thing about. Uh, uh, this I had a very interesting uh, day yesterday. Uh, I went to the great winery in Tally Vineyards, where I'm part owner in the K-May Courthouse, New Jersey, and I helped snip the grapes for the Chardonnay grape harvest. Yesterday was a grape picking day for the Chardonnay, and I got my hands in the soil doing God's work and, and uh, helping to, 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 to get the harvest but with the little snippers. Now, uh, let me just tell you, this is my first time doing this, and I was pretty good at it. I was really good. I was quick, and you get the grapes, you put them in the tub, you get the tractor, they stack the, 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 all the grapes in the little tubs, and then they take it in, and then they press it later in the day. I did get nicked up. I got to tell you that sometimes the vines are hard to get to. The grapes grow around the vines. You got to kind of pull it away so you can get the stem and cut it properly. I got a wound here, Darren. I got a wound right here. I got a wound here. I got the. Uh, I got bloodied a, a couple of times with a little, a little snippage. But but that you know that's life in the fields. All right, and I had a great lateral damage. Chardonnay harvest. I was tasting the grapes. Oh, they were just fantastic. It was a great haul of Chardonnay grapes this year. So if you get to uh, Natalie Vineyards and K-May Courthouse, make sure you taste some Chardonnay because that's going right in the barrel. And a couple of years later, we'll be able to produce that in bottles. And we already have good Chardonnay 
that's being produced. And next week, I'm going down there to sip some Nebbiolo grapes. How's that? Oh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, all right. Uh, I want to do that with you. You guys, you got to take me out with you. Uh, one of these, all right. One of these if you want to come down and work in the fields, we can, we can manage yeah. that. Um, uh, don't Let's forget do that. that today also on my website, mikemiss.com, you will uh, hear, hear the Mike Miss Friday vlog, my video blog, uh, which I will go over some things that we even haven't talked about on the podcast. Make sure you tune in and get to uh, mikemiss.com, the website. Uh, everybody have a great weekend. Uh, I was going to play golf today, but that's going to be rained out. I hope I can get out there tomorrow. Um, and hopefully the sun shines on Sunday uh, as the Eagles play the Washington Commanders. Everybody have a great week. Go Phils. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.